0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. As uh, we always tell you, we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for a special edition, as this is a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. As uh, we also podcast these programs on uh, soundcloud itunes TuneIn radio spotify stitcher player fm blueberry and the other locations you folks are reposting our interviews too and thank you for doing that i greatly appreciate that and then we're on youtube where you can watch these interviews i hope you will and then go to our guests website to continue your evolutionary transformational process <clears throat> that we're all in uh, some of us are moving slower. Some of us are moving faster. But there is no special, uh, there, there is no optimal rate at which uh, you evolve or transform your life and raise the consciousness of your being, if you will, uh, and support and help to do the same for uh, the rest of the world. Your yourself, your family, your community, city, state, nation, and then subsequently the world. We hope that you will participate also in. The Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020. Spend that time going within. Your intuition is, I got to tell you, it's key. It's like the key you stick, although cars are not having, they're now becoming keyless. So this analogy is not going to work as much these days, but it's the key to really moving forward in your life. Stop, take some time, find that quiet, peaceful place to relax, to rejuvenate, to re-energize, to get inspired, to get encouraged, to get information about what you need to do next, which direction you need to go. And the only way that information works is if you are moving, you've got to be moving. So get on those two feet and start moving and then listen to the guidance that is needed so that you will be where you need and want to be in your life uh, in terms of uh, being service to yourself, and to others as well. We also ask you if this program resonates with you, please support us financially if you can. Um, We have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. Any amount is certainly welcome. And we're very grateful to everybody who has supported this program in the past and who will in the future. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Our program today, I think you're really going to enjoy. It's uh, another one of these um, musical endeavors that uh, we're going to share with you with our guest quincy coleman quincy coleman.net is her website quincy thank you so much for joining us it's really a pleasure to have you on the program today
1: richard that was quite the intro i feel like i'm all set good night everybody just gonna go off into my day and right. inspire and serve and for real. That was beautiful, man. And that
0: wraps up our program. Thank you, everybody. And uh, until our next broadcast, (laughs) you are, you are, among other things, you are a cancer survivor. You are a musician. You are a founder of an organization called Home. We're going to touch upon all of those things. Um, But I, I, I want to really focus on uh, your and, and maybe this is put more in a general sense, your position, if you will, of service mm. to self and, uh, and community, however large or small that might encompass. Mm. Talk to us about how that started for you. When did you become uh, consciously aware that it was time for Quincy Coleman to get with the program and say, look, I'm important, I'm valuable, and I've got something to offer. Uh, And I've got a a story to tell, uh, to coin a phrase, and I need to start telling it so that I can help other people to do the same, spread the word that everybody has a voice, everybody needs to use it, and we need to start working together to make this place a better place.
1: Um. Thank you so much, Richard, so, so, so honored and, um, and, uh, such a pleasure to be here with you today and just kind of just get right into it. Um, you know, I, I in listening to that question, I, I don't, I kind of feel like, um, it was in my DNA. Um, I don't remember a time where I didn't recognize, um, the value of of oneness um even just as a kid i think we all do as i think it's as a child it's sort of in our nature and then we have to spend all this time unlearning all these you know crazy false beliefs and bad habits and um and uh Anyway, Richard, I want to check in how are we doing with uh swearing on this program? Is that allowed or are we are we watching our
0: We're watching our P's and Q's. We're watching before. our Ps and I'll Q's. I'll let you just, know when That's the, important the,
1: when for me. When okay. the sensor,
0: when the sensor walks away, I'll let you know.
1: Okay. <laughs> um anyway, so um yeah, I just I just um I Feel that, you know, and and I think we're all hopefully a little more sensitive to our white privilege, especially in the climate of the last year. I certainly am. I can't really see anything without that lens now. So I feel that, you know, as a result of my white privilege, I was really lucky. I was born feeling um, supported and um, comfortable, and I wanted that for others. And thought that everyone had that, and everyone should have that. Um, uh, but I also, I also recognize sort of like an outsider in me, um, you know, and and so I would recognize the outsider in others, um, underdog, nerd, uh, the less popular, and just always had this strong um, passion to equalize. Um, and I think, I think justice was just infused in my, in my, in my blood early on. And I'm not sure where that comes from. I almost wonder if it's, I've, I've wondered in my life in my teens, if it's past life stuff, you know, anytime I saw any injustice on the screen, you know, in school or in a movie, it was so, I had such a visceral response to it that I, it just, there's no way that it didn't also happen to me. You know? Mm-hmm. So um, that's always been sort of since day one, my 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 instinct.
0: Well let me let me ask you, you used the term white privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't do anything to uh how do I put this? Um maybe another way to put it, it's not your fault that you are. Um, either a a product of or uh, a part of that class that is referred to as white privilege so why why is there a problem in that regard I mean here I am um, a male a white male which supposedly is either at the top or bottom of the totem pole depending upon your perspective sure and and it's like wait a minute I was just born into this world okay Mm. Now, we can get into more of the metaphysical uh, constructs here, but for the sake of most listeners at this particular point in our program, this is the life that we're in and we're born into the life that we're born into. And, you know, it's like I was born with two arms and two legs. Now, if there is a problem with that in our society where you've got two arms and two legs because others have either three or one, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. So I'm curious as to, um, and, and bear in mind, I do understand what that means. Okay, the white privilege, I, I get it.
1: What does it mean to you?
0: Well, from what I understand, it means that uh, people uh, who are, uh, and I'll go with the white male, uh, have had greater opportunities and privileges uh, and that uh, other groups, and I'll call them the marginalized groups, Mm-hmm. And I was in one of those groups. I was legally blind when I was a kid. Uh, so I was visually impaired and I was bullied and I was picked on mm-hmm. and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I was in one of those marginal marginalized groups as, as a kid growing up. Whereas the sighted kids or the, the normally sighted 2020 vision kids, um, you know, they could do whatever they wanted at 16. They were getting in the cars and running around and all this kind of stuff. And I was still on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, as a white male, there are supposedly greater opportunities. Now, when I got into radio and I began managing, I wanted to hire females more than males Mm -hmm. because I wanted the diversity of voices and personalities at the station. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, the guys that I was looking at hiring, they didn't get it or they had a big ego, oh, I'm working in radio and that's what I'm going to do and but I'm not gonna clean the toilets, which believe it or not was one of the job, part of the job description. Awesome. But I I guess the the, the thing that, that I think troubles a lot of folks is in understanding that at the same time, as I said earlier, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault. Okay, so how do we juxtapose that with an awareness and an understanding to begin to equalize things? Because I feel the same way as you that right now there is such inequity in many of the strata, whether it's religious, economic, educational, political, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, There's something wrong with the systems that we have, the institutions that we have, where a lot of folks don't have the opportunities because they don't have the choices. Not because the choices aren't there, but because they don't even know the choices exist because they have been... Is the right word kept from those choices, and that information has been kept from them? Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, big—that's big big stuff. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing, Richard. Yeah, I mean, and um, I just as a white male, I just want to acknowledge, um, you know, your willingness to um, be open to this dialogue and look at yourself and your story. Uh, There's so much in there. Um, Just answer that question first, and then go back. It's just the system the system and I'm learning man I am not an expert I am I'm learning myself but mm-hmm. from what I understand the system is designed uh, for uh, those of our black, brown and um, indigenous brothers and sisters to fail so um, or to not succeed in the same way that the right the our white, brothers and sisters are too. Mm-hmm. So when you say words like wrong, we didn't do anything wrong, it's why is this a problem? It's not my fault. Um, that's just not that's not vocabulary I even resonate with in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I, it's not it's not even about fault problem um, okay. wrong. So and I, I understand why why there is a, a, a tendency to become a little bit defensive. Um, and I get it. Um, I I was there. I'm sure years ago. Um, what what I'm learning is that just by being white, simply, we have privilege. No matter how hard we work, whether we had a, a um, you know dealt with a challenge like blindness, um, we we have one step in the door that our black, brown, indigenous brothers and sisters do not have. It is that plain and simple, no matter how wealthy, no matter how poor, no matter if we have white skin, we have a step in the door that they do not have. I get that. And from small things to bigger things, from getting a table to being hired to what have you. And the reason why I brought it up in my story is because I cannot help but look at my story now, especially when I'm being interviewed, through the lens of my white privilege, I'm not. I'm not um, blaming anybody. I'm not saying I think it's a problem. Yeah. Um. And the problem is, is that my black, brown, and indigenous brothers and sisters, absolutely 100% should have the same opportunities that I have. And I'm gonna do everything that I can to educate myself and um make sure that 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 happens, that that healing and that change can happen in my lifetime. That's that's why I'm here.
0: Quincy Coleman is my guest. QuincyColeman.net is the website, and you can also go to uh, all of the different social media outlets, Instagram and Facebook, and you'll find Quincy Coleman on our on those uh, those sites as well. Stay tuned. There's more to come here on Tell Me Your Story: New Paradigms for a New World. And welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World with Quincy Coleman. I, I do find it really interesting that in our society, and in our culture, in the 21st frickin' century, yeah. that we are still dealing with this. Amen,
1: as- man. Amen. It's, it's astounding. Yeah. It's astounding. Um, yeah. Okay it's astounding and i mean i don't want to name names i really don't um but you know just this this interview that happened in the news just the other day um completely disregarding our indigenous i don't want to get emotional um but their culture (laughs) and Mm that the the fact that they were here before us I, i mean from my perspective little by little i'm like i feel like I could get in trouble here, but look, I'm exaggerating, but sometimes I want to go, have we, have the American, the white American done anything that's like, you know, um, respectable? I feel like we all, we've done so much to disrespect, disregard, and diminish other cultures. Um, and, uh, you know it's a big part of my story my own healing in taking responsibility for the choices that i made in my past so that i could heal and make a ch- and change my future
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i my belief my knowing is that as a human family Uh, that if we can take responsibility for our past and the choices that we made that created this dis-ease and this destruction and this toxicity in our human family that we can heal we can heal if we really look at what these choices were yes it was 400 years ago and it's still occur it's still in our face today so what does it look like today the choices I made 15 years ago is what manifested in a thing called cancer in my body 15 years later. So I needed to go back and go, ooh, that probably contributed to this imbalance, this fight that went on in my body. And then I had to look at all those choices and make different choices. Also take responsibility for my part in this creation, creating this um, imbalance, this inflammation, these fires in my body. Mm -hmm. The humanity is on fire with racism. The earth is on fire with global warming. We're, we're, we're being called to listen deep more deeply, love more responsibly so that we can start healing. And that doesn't mean it's gonna become a utopia and everything's perfect. right? It just means there's gonna be more equality, a little bit more harmony, a little bit more forgiveness, a little bit more acceptance, a little bit more unity. And even in that, even when you're compatible with something, there's still gonna be waves,
2: sure. right? Oh, but yeah. let's
1: let's let's address the tsunamis that I think are uh,
0: avoidable. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that I find so fascinating about um those who would probably disagree with both of us and that is they complain that oh all they want to talk about is all the bad stuff. Well, the problem I see is that those who don't want to they they, they say oh you're bashing America, you know, it's a great place. Well, the the thing is that both I and Quincy uh have a dark side and so does every country on the planet has a dark side and unless we and when I talk about the, the the decade of perfect vision the 2020s and going within I encourage people to take a look at that I know it's going to be scary I know it's going to be hard it's it's you're going to want to resist to the, to the nth degree because you don't want to deal with that stuff but I get it uh, I was just listening to a gal on the radio this morning who <clears throat> she was talking about a doctor's appointment and she didn't want to be weighed. She didn't like it. So instead of avoiding the being weighed because they needed it for the records, she stood on the scale backwards. So she didn't see the number, the gal taking it.
1: I do the same thing.
0: Okay. And because she didn't want to be triggered. Amen. All right. And I get that. But at the same time, what's the reality? The reality mm. is, you are a certain weight, mm. and if you are being triggered by those kinds of things, then those are things that you need to deal with. So that's why I encourage people to go within. Now, I'm not saying we need to force people to, to go check out what why are the triggers and how did this happen and, and resolve it. I'm just saying that it's it's I mean it's part of who we are. It's be, because of all of that is why we are where we are right now. Why you and I are talking right now is because of everything that we've been through that we have placed a judgment on as being good or bad, okay? Light or dark, okay? But all of that is making up who we are right now. Um, Who we are right now, though, is a, a, a program called Tell Me Your Story, taking a little break. And you have provided us with some music. And because of what we've been talking about, I'm not sure which of the four songs is the better one to go out with. I was thinking, I Love Everybody, which is a Lyle Lovett cover. Can you give us just a real brief uh, description from your standpoint as to why this, why did you want to cover this particular piece of music?
1: Uh, Aside from that, aside from Lyle Lovett being a god, Um, and me completely being in love with him. Um, uh, it's just such a sweet, sweet song. Uh, I love everybody. I love everybody. I love everybody, especially you. It seemed like a really, I started this thing that uh, evolved into the stairwell sessions during quarantine back in March. I think I I wanted to give something, put something out into the world on on social media. And the first cover was, we've got the whole world in our hands. We've got the whole world in our hands, right? And then I addressed every country just to wrap my arms around the world and give the world a hug and something we can sing together, something that I sing my boys. And um, so as part of the series, I think I did, I love everybody on New Year's Eve. to just let everybody know yeah. that they are loved.
0: We'll go out with that here on Tell Me Your Story. Quincy jo- Quincy Coleman. Quincy Jones. Quincy Coleman. Never
1: happened before.
0: Never happened before, I'm sure. Uh, Quincy Coleman is our guest. And uh, quincycoleman.net is her website. We encourage you to go there. She's all over social media. And uh, you will find her just about anywhere you look. And we will be back with more in just a moment.
2: I love it especially you. I love everybody, especially you. So
0: come back with a little more music from I Love Everybody and this is uh, Quincy Coleman my guest quincycoleman.net is the uh, website you want to go to to find out more lots of music out there Uh, the conversations that um, that you have had would you consider yourself if, if this is the right word an activist sure okay
1: yeah
0: when did that begin for you? And I know day, you talked earlier in one. the first segment there. Yeah,
1: day one, day one. I think I never, I never um, considered the word, <laughs> but I was like, oh, that's why I was so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it's more comfortable to just sit in the activism, I guess. Um, I just, I just like fairness. You know, and I, I, I'm not saying I'm the judge or, or whatnot, but I just know that from my perception, I mm-hmm. gravitate towards my perception of truth. I gravitate towards my perception of authenticity and I gravitate towards my perception of fairness. And I've been like that since day one.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and just really looking out for, um, you know, um, recognizing those that are not seen um, and a, a desire to, you know, just play down those who are, you know, put on a pedestal. That's just been my nature since day when I remember doing that in fourth, I remember having that thought, those thoughts in fourth grade, like really wanting to bring down the popular girls and wanting to celebrate the, um, the uh, you know, less popular, And it's not really, it was more of just like, just, just belief, just belief in everyone and a desire for fairness, you know, like I didn't feel sorry for the nerds. I felt like a nerd. I just was like, I'll never forget this one girl in our class who was, you know, the typical really skinny, really pale, you know, um, it's like, you can't win. She was like really pure white, but even that was too white. But, um, you know, it's not that, uh, I didn't feel sorry for her. I just believed in her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, hit, hit the ball. You got this, you got this and I'll pick you first for my team. You know, let's go for this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, a, an interesting, uh, dynamic that we have and that we've grown up in, um, that when I got out of high school after the years of, of, a uh, uh, bullying on and off throughout the years, throughout the, the grade school and high school, um, I go off, take six months off. I didn't go anywhere. I lived with my parents at the time. Then I went to junior college for three semesters. Uh, And um, then I started uh, working in radio. And uh, about 10 years after that, I started hearing about this conversation about bullying in schools. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, we had that in in my school. I remember that. I thought we were through with that Mm. well obviously because i was no longer in school i wasn't exposed to it anymore Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: it goes on today and then of course social media uh has has made it even worse and anonymous uh to which i say to to folks who who and and maybe i'm wrong in this you know and i'd love your perspective but when i hear about people who are getting bullied on social media and they're complaining about this that and the other thing i'm going then shut your account down that's i uh, know i wasn't getting bullied on social media i just didn't find a, a i i didn't have the time to deal with it i mean i know a lot of folks they're doing blogs and they're posting pictures and videos and all of this stuff and i have enough to do with doing these programs and also helping to run a radio station and then running a i, I like to call it a small animal animal farm with five chickens five cats and a dog nice. it's pretty close to a farm right there nice um But, you know, and I was so shocked. I don't know know why, but I think it was because I now was distant from the events that were going on in the schools, you know, in terms of the bullying. And then when I started hearing about it, and then I began to hear about um, how it's going on in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And in many instances, and now this was a new one for me, but I understood it once I heard about it. Self-bullying, it's those negative thoughts, the negative thoughts that we tell ourselves, uh, I, oh, I can't do that. Or, And in the manner of speaking, that's sort of the bully within that is trying to keep us down, so to speak. But it's because of from, from the old beliefs, from maybe even the bullying, then we started to believe what we were being told, right?
1: Yeah, just I think also it's just the nature of being human. Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, I kind of associate it a little bit with the ego. The ego is also cool, man. The ego, the ego helps me, you know, feel good about being on a stage and owning that there's ownership and, and some power in there. But um, it's it's nuanced. And, and I feel, you know, just just to be broad, um, to keep it more simple, you know, uh, the ego wants to generally take me down. Right. right. And mm-hmm. And my soul. My soul is more humble and and knows that this isn't this isn't really me doing this. I'm actually kind of just a channel for this universal energy, right? That mm-hmm. knows oneness, that knows that I am one with all things, including my table, that knows that respect and reverence and being treating things safe with sacred intention, everything, yeah. food, my home, my children, my parents, and I don't do it. I'm completely imperfect because I'm human. And so there's that shadow voice that wants to take me down. Which, for me, um, the the closer I get to my my soul and my heart, the clearer the shadow voice becomes. So they're very right there. They're right there. The shadow's ready to take me down, and the 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 authentic truth is ready to lift me up at all times now. Mm-hmm. At all times. So it's just a matter of going. Recognizing, becoming intimate with those false beliefs, get, becoming intimate with that voice, that saboteur that wants to take me down, says I'm not worthy, I, you know, right, all the rest of it, and um, get really intimate with that voice so that I can really recognize it as that voice. And I've become where I'm almost grateful for those moments um, of of darkness. Not almost, I am grateful because. It's the yin and yang, I you have to have it. That's what actually centers me. It's actually makes me go, oh, this is that time where I get to let go. This is that moment where I go, I take a pause like you were talking about in your intro. This is where I go, I take a pause, I take a breath and all of a sudden I go, wait a second. That's just, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing how you can be sitting here in one moment and watch a thought take you down and make this moment look like hell uh-huh. or choose the other thought and make this moment heaven.
0: Yeah. It makes me think of that one <laughs> paradoxical uh, phrase or question. Uh, uh, what is one sound? What is the sound of one hand clapping? You have to have two hands in order to make the clapping sound. Yeah. And with that, we're going to take another quick break here. We're going to go out with uh, pride in the name of love. Tell us real quickly about that. We'll go out and come back in the next segment with that.
1: Um, so my brother had actually, Randy Coleman had actually, um, he was playing that song in church one day and I was like, damn, that's a great version. Um, so years later, I just started kind of tweaking with it, finger picking, um, and not only is it a great song, but, um, you know, it's, it's about Martin Luther King's day of assassination. Um, and I, I believe you know, there's some reference to uh, Jesus as well. Um, It just is a powerful message, a beautiful song. And um, I posted that as part of the stairwell. So I went into the stairwell in my building and posted that on um, Martin Luther King day.
0: Mm. We are talking with Quincy Coleman Quincy Coleman.net is her website. She's on social media, Facebook, I'm sure Instagram, and all over the place where you can find out more about her and the work that she's doing, The we'll call it the activism, uh, where she's involved in trying to bring about some level of equanimity and equality in our society at all levels. And quite honestly, we're not talking about utopia here. We're just talking about fair play. If, if, there, if you're playing a game, there are a set of rules. And everybody is supposed to play by the same set of rules. And that's all we're asking for, is that everybody plays by the same set of rules. And with that, one of the rules is to take a quick break here on uh, Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We'll be back in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to Tell Me Your Story. I'm here with uh, Quincy Goldman and uh, Col- Coleman, Quincy Coleman. Uh, she has a website. It's Quincy Goldman, Quincy Coleman <laughs> I don't know what is happening here, but what I do know is the music is beautiful and we're going to listen to some more of that here in just a few moments. Your father is Dabney Coleman, correct?
1: Yes, he is.
0: Uh, I've seen him many, many times on many, many movies and television programs. What kind of an influence did he have on you not as an entertainer, not as a musician, none, none of that, just as, uh, uh, uh maybe in your childhood uh, as a person, as a woman, um, in terms of who you have become, what, what kind of influence has he been?
1: That's a deep question, Richard. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's, in- my first, my first thought is, um, you know, he's he's extremely charismatic, and he really knows how to, you know, um, hold attention and um, and and story. You know, he loves story. He loves telling story. He loves listening to story Engage, being engaged, being inspired really getting getting the brain going and um and challenge and challenge and debate um and and really funny oh yeah really really funny yeah he's he's (laughs) he's like he's like shakespeare funny he's 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 like a comedian version of shakespeare he's so poetic with his humor it just blows my mind um yeah
0: Well, I tell you, it's to me fascinating to, to hear uh, hear a lot of this and uh, wondering too about your. Uh, did he ever want you to follow in his footsteps and get into the entertainment industry, in the in that context that that he is in.
1: No. Um I mean I don't think so. We just I think our whole family is very artistic and creative and um interestingly um music was really strong. And forgive me for those beeps. Uh music was really strong um in our in our um home. Um Mills brothers, John Denver, Merle Haggard, um evita you know musicals and country music and um and so i would say that that was a big influence on all three of us we're all three singer songwriters um who have all um dabbled in acting as well um but there wasn't this big push for it um i think it just sort of evolved that way naturally
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's one of those things that I find so interesting in regards to uh, the entertainment world, as it were, and trying to figure out our place in the universe, as it were, um, because, and here's, maybe this is a better way to go at this. I'm I'm kind of stumbling through this particular element here, but... Mm -hmm. One of the things that I find so, uh, again, sort of frustrating is when I hear criticism of people in the entertainment industry by outsiders who complain that, oh, you shouldn't be talking about that stuff. You have no business as an entertainer uh, being an activist. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait wait a minute. Are they not, and and in this case, are they not an American? Uh, Do they not have the right... uh uh, the same rights as you of uh, the first amendment freedom of speech i don't understand how you can say that about this person when they fit the criterion for saying those things you know what i'm saying you know
1: and and have that and have the platform
0: and and it's like why is it that they don't get to have the same rights that you do And, and there's another area where we you know as we were talking earlier about this whole issue of Privilege, whatever the category you want to put it into. W- what are your thoughts about uh, about that? Because you are in the entertainment industry, because you're a musician in particular, uh, and and you're you're, you're be- you've got great music and great videos as well. We're going to hear another one here in just a minute. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about your perspective on the that kind of criticism. I mean, come on, you're an American. You have yeah. a yeah. You know what, Richard? You, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. What's that? And you have a mind that works yeah.
1: well. <laughs> I'm guilty of it. I don't know. Maybe it's just societal. I don't know. I'm. I was guilty of that way, way back. I'm remembering specifically when, um, when a certain actor won an Oscar uh, for a role, and then all of a sudden he was like become an became an activist for this issue. And I remember thinking the same thing, going, uh, you know, you're an actor. I don't know where that came from especially me, like that's fantastic. Maybe there was a little bit of like, you know, maybe there was a little bit of like, um, it would have been nice if you were aware of this issue prior to getting an acting role on it or something, but Mm -hmm. God almighty, give people break. This is a long time ago. This is like 25 years ago. Um, so, you know, what's my opinion about about it is man anybody and everybody who has the courage to stand up and give voice to something that will be exposed to a large audience that's listening Mm -hmm. in order to educate inspire heal and uh you know infuse change i say yes that's fantastic I have no idea why I was one of those people that actually did, you know, had that same feeling. It must be something that, you know, we were raised to think like, just act. If you're an actor, just sing, if you're going to sing, I don't want to hear it's ridiculous. That's exactly, you have the opportunity to uh, highlight a message. That's encouraged in my opinion.
0: Well, absolutely. Um, And, and, and sports as well. I mean, even in the sports industry, and I find it interesting too, and this was after a little bit of research, <clears throat> um, and of course the big controversy over, uh, I can't remember his first name, but the last name I think was Kaepernick, took a knee at a football game during Colin, the National Anthem. Colin. I began to do some research on that. And what it turns out is that is probably one of the most submissive mm. and respectful positions mm. that one mm. can take. Mm. Isn't that what they do? when they're knighted, mm, mm. they take a knee. When they're showing homage to, shall we say, royalty, they take a knee. And I'm thinking, I realize what his message was, I get that. Mm. But I'm thinking that there's a there's a double meaning there. Mm. He's actually, I think that, and again, this is just one man's perspective. He was showing a great deal of respect for the country, for the people of the country.
2: Mm.
0: We're going to take another quick break. I want to listen to a piece that you put together, and it's very fascinating, uh, with uh, the, the great uh, uh, environmental activist, young lady who, again, another another one who's been criticized. Why is it that she doesn't have the right to voice her perspective and her opinion? She's a human being on this planet. She lives here. Why can't she speak out? you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure she's learned a lot over the course of the years that she's been doing this as well. And you incorporated a speech that she gave into a song. Tell us about that.
1: Um, so, um, as I was, as I mentioned about my, my journey with my own, my apologies, I keep
0: no, no problem. I know yeah. you've got things going on and we're glad to be a part of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, basically, so I mentioned about my own healing. I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer 11 years ago. And, um, you know, just to touch on that briefly, uh, I don't pat myself on the back for this because I'm, I'm sort of the I'm, I'm the, I'm trying to not swear. I'm one of those people that needed a huge wake-up call In order to make myself a priority and to make my soul which i was talking about earlier a priority again because i was living a very um uh, physical life um and uh and had abandoned my spiritual life and uh, therefore i became very aware early in the diagnosis that the cancer was a physical manifestation in my body of my having abandoned my soul Um, and, uh, I believe that global warming is a physical manifestation of the abandonment of the soul of mother earth. So when I saw, and, and, and part of my healing 11 years ago was taking responsibility for my part in that. And, um, and therefore taking responsibility for my part in the healing. And what I decided to do was I was guided by my heart and soul to love the cancer and to listen to the cancer Mm -hmm. rather than fighting it. And so, and this is just my story and I'm not saying this is true or should be the cookie cutter for everybody's journey. And I don't even know if I would do it again if I got another cancer diagnosis. This is what I've done for 11 years. It reversed without Western medicine or conventional treatment. I'm still living with stage four cancer technically. I'm not in remission. I'm not cancer free. It's been 11 years. I've had twin boys since. And when I saw Greta Thunberg's our house is on fire speech, nine years into my diagnosis on Facebook, I was so blown away by her as, as so many of us are, but I recognized her call to take responsibility for the healing of, of the earth that, that I related so much to. So. When I first tried to write a song, so inspired by it, I was like, there is no way I'm gonna be able to touch what she just said. So I hung up the guitar, wrote out her speech, plucked out a couple, a few of the lines that felt you know, poetic or lyrical, um, threw in a couple of my own. And, and, um, and when the song was finished, I'd finished the song and it wasn't until a week later that I added the ending where we say, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this now. Which is so such a Quincy Coleman sort of putting the bow on it a little bit, or at least giving us giving us some 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 hope, right? Because because Greta's very like we got to get on this, which I mm. love. Um, but I I really needed to tag on um, a universal come chant where we can all really cheer each other on to do this. Exactly. And so we can do this now. Was born.
0: And that's what we're gonna to listen to going out and coming back for this segment. I'm Richard Dugan, this is Tell Me Your Story. Quincy Coleman is my guest. QuincyColeman.net is the website and you can also go to uh, all of the different social media outlets, Instagram and Facebook, and you'll find Quincy Coleman on our on those uh, those sites as well. Stay tuned, there's more to come here on Tell Me Your Story, new paradigms for a new world.
2: We are less than 12 years away from not being able to undo our mistakes. now is the time to speak clearly now is the time to speak more clearly our house is on fire our house is on fire we still have everything in our own hands still everything is in our hands Nothing in life is black or white. But that is a life, a very dangerous life. That's a dangerous life. The solution is as black and white as it gets. So don't forget. I wanted to act as if the house was on fire, because it is.
0: We can save the earth, but we have to do it now.
1: making a difference we can,
2: we can do this we can do this we can do this we can do this now we can do something to make sure that the ecosystems, the lakes, the rivers, the soil, they are protected. We can plant trees.
1: We can protect our protectors. We can protect our bees. We can be kinder to each
2: other and ourselves. We can do this now. We can do this now. We can, do this now. We can reduce plastic use. We can heal this planet. Let's do this now.
0: We can commit to a sustainable future. We can do this now. We can do right by our children.
2: We
1: can do do
0: this
2: this now. We can uh, do this now. We can do this now! It's up to us. We are the earth. We are unstoppable. It's a new
1: beginning. I believe we can do it all.
0: And welcome back to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World with Quincy Coleman. We're talking about a lot of different things, um, and uh, we're asking you to participate in this program by going to her website, which is quincycoleman.net, and also all of the other social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram, I'm sure Twitter and others that I, I, I can't even think of right now. Uh, but they're out there and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, there was there used to be a, um, uh, uh, a program called Hoot that if you went to it, uh, it would distribute all of your information to all of the other sites that you were already signed into. Uh, and I can't even remember what exactly what it was for, if it was for emails or if it was for social media or downloads. I, did, I don't remember, but uh, those would that would be kind of nice. Because having to go to all of the different sites, set up accounts, and then um, put everything in there, oh, it just it's like, I, I, it's too much. It's, I'm, going to, I'm going back to the old school. Give me a piece of paper and a pencil. Okay. I understand. Plus the fact that the Russians can't hack a piece of paper and a pencil, at least not yet. Um, let's talk a little bit more here as we uh, um, uh, talk about uh, the work that you are doing. Tell me about HOME, H-O-M-E, that you founded.
1: Yeah. So, um, which is another website I, I, you know, really encourage people to check out h-om-e.org, um, h-om-e.org. Um, home is a nonprofit organization born from basically needing a place for the video for, we can do this now to, to live. Um, And then um, it became, we became a nonprofit, 501C3 last year, which I'm very, very excited about. And um, it's, we are creating, educating, celebrating calls to action for justice, healing, and unity, taking responsibility for the past, healing and transforming the present and changing the future one community at a time. We have a uh, program called Planting the Seeds and uh, Planting the Seeds of Justice, Healing, and Unity. We're starting with the issue of the environment. We will be addressing many issues: racial justice, um, disability, uh, LGBTQ, unhoused, gun control, etc. And um, we are creating educational music videos like We Can Do This Now, bringing them to communities or schools in need, and um, followed by a QA and a with like, a leading activist, um, and then presenting the opportunity to collectively collaborate as a community and be proactive, creating gardens, compost system, rainwater irrigation system, beehives. Um, and when we address the racial justice with the racial um, justice video that will be next uh, Mm -hmm. to the song we are all in this together we will be offering communities and schools in need to create monuments to black brown indigenous leaders which i am very very excited about
0: well i will say that there are a lot of organizations out there uh that are trying to do the same thing do you collaborate with any of them in that regard and i go again i know you're still fairly new yeah
1: we're brand new, so um, yeah, I, I look forward to that. Right now, we are um, talking with a an organization called Aspiration. They are uh, planting planting plant your change. Um, they are asking people to leave their banks that ha- that are attached to the fossil fuel industry and to. Um, once you join up with them, all of your change from transactions will go to planting trees.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the, the interesting things that was shared on this program by one of my guests, and I, I kind of brought this up about how people feel that we need to go uh, we need to go out and we need to take down the institutions that are no longer serving us and replace them with uh, new institutions, which would serve us. And he said, well, actually, what we need to do, is not tear down the old institutions we need to build new institutions that make the old ones obsolete because if you tear down the old ones if you don't have something already in place to replace it you're kind of stuck in one sense and i thought that was rather uh rather interesting and I, i I'm wondering uh, what your thoughts, because when you mentioned about uh, divesting yourself from financial institutions that are in the petroleum industry that are connected, um, nobody ever asked the horse and buggy industry whether they thought it was a good idea to bring automobiles uh, into the into the mainstream. They just did it. Nobody mm-hmm. asked anybody uh, about bringing gasoline and the various petroleum products back in the, what was it, the uh, mid, late 1800s, um they just did it well that's where we are right now in terms of uh creating sustainable uh situations in our world uh, is nobody is you know this isn't about we're not going to ask permission we just have to do it right amen
1: yeah and i think it can go i think you can go both ways you know um i understand what your friend is saying um and for me, I'm just learning. I'm not a radical environmentalist. Mm-hmm. Greta Thunberg inspired me. I need this program. I need the educational music yeah. video. I'm learning about planting gardens and compost systems and turning off my faucet when I'm brushing my teeth and turning off the lights more and and all of that. So we're um, we're just hoping to you know inspire. Uh, Lots of Greta Thunbergs, you know what I mean? Young, younger, the younger generation to educate themselves and and contribute to the healing of the planet. Hmm.
0: There's a a line in our uh, our founding documents uh, that says that uh, we are, um, uh, that uh, we the people in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic, domestic tranquility, uh, provide for, uh, promote the general welfare, that specific one. And then to preserve, and I, okay, I've got to remember how this goes now. We, the people in foreign form, and to preserve the blessings of liberty to ourselves and whom? Mm-hmm. Our posterity. Who's our posterity? Our children and their children and their children. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we are even close to doing that in this country? No,
1: no. Which is so fascinating. Um, But we've evolved, right? We've evolved, so we need we're we're we're, um, we need to catch up. We need to catch up with those words, right? We need to make those words true today, you know. And you know, there's a line in that song I was just mentioning: "We are all in this together." Where in the bridge. This is the song that I'm gonna create a a black history video, Mm -hmm. the truth of black history. And in in the bridge I say, land of the free or free just for me, justice for all will we heed the call, right? Mm -hmm. So no. I don't think that those words, I don't think we are, we are living those words and being true to those words today. But I, I, I feel that we are, um, in the middle of a big wake up call, just like my, just like my diagnosis to come home, to come home to our hearts. And it's a, it's a stage four state of emergency that we are living in right now. And, and while there seems to be a lot going on and it's really discouraging, and I can't believe all of this. It's like for me with my healing, just because I started to take responsibility and just because I started to love and listen didn't mean that I didn't have bumps popping up all over my body. It got worse before it got better, even when I was loving and listening.
2: Mm.
1: And I feel like we might be in the, it gets worse before it gets better.
0: Well, the uh, visionary and futurist uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, the late Barbara Marks Hubbard, Uh, When I interviewed her back in 2007, and I had the privilege of talking with her maybe two or three times on this program uh, since then, uh, before her passing, uh, she talked about how, and this is 2007, mind you, we were going to be going through what are considered birth pangs. Now, you have had children. You know what that's like. You know the pain of giving birth, okay? Okay. It just is okay. It's not good, bad, right, or wrong. It just, that's just what happens. And we, she says, we are going to go through that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and as you sort of put it, it's going to get worse before it gets better. We don't know if we've reached the climax yet, the apex, if you will, of that worse than worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. Um, But we definitely know we're going through it.
1: Yes, and we're identifying it all over the place. Yeah, we're, we're documenting it. We're recording it. We're filming it. We're pointing at it. We're talking about it. We're naming it. Yeah. All important. All important. And like your friend said, and, and as I've as I've um, sort of seen uh, and identified as, we're in the birth canal. It's dark. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. It's scary. It's you know what I mean before the uh, birth.
0: Yeah, it's to me a, a most fascinating. Um, journey backwards when i start thinking about as you talked about how you were thinking about things even as a child and i remember and i can't remember if this was before i started working okay uh or right around the time i started i began to realize that that system which i was either entered had just entered or was about to enter the working world Mm.
2: uh
0: although the word wasn't used sustainable back then Mm -hmm. uh wasn't sustainable because the philosophy is that and back then you stayed at a job for 10 15 20 30 sometimes 40 years my dad worked for a company for 25 years before they moved he chose not to move the family and then uh, went back to college but i began to take a look at how okay uh i'm gonna go get a job my first job let's say and i'll start out at maybe minimum wage or whatever the the bottom of the rung is and I'll work my way up. And if I stay there, I'm going to want to bump up every so often. You know, I mean, come on. I'm I, If I'm Absolutely. a hard worker and I'm Absolutely. trying to do more, I'm going to want more. Absolutely. Well, the only way that they're going to be able to do that to give me more is that they're going to have to charge more for the product or service that they provide. Uh, and of course, what's going to happen then is the people who buy that product or service, be they uh, individual consumer or you know, wholesale, you know, other companies, um, they're going to see the bump up and they're going to have to raise the prices of their items. So that means it comes back around to me. Oh my gosh, prices are going up. I need another bump up.
2: Hmm.
0: And then that cycle keeps going and going and going and going. And uh-huh. I'm going, you can't sustain that. That's no, impossible that. To, to keep that going because eventually we're all going to be, uh, well, at least we should be, earning hundreds of of thousands, if not millions of dollars as we move through our our careers, especially if we stay at one company, unless Mm -hmm. of course they lay you off because it's costing too much Mm -hmm. or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. And I thought there's something wrong with this system. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I interviewed a gentleman uh, not long, well, some years ago, he's since passed. His name is uh, Jacques Fresco. Mm -hmm. And he designed the Venus Project out in Florida. And he's an architect he's a futurist and so forth and he talked about his vision of the future and these cities and they were more circular than anything and you your workplace was within that cluster even your home was and you if you wanted a car you could have one but you wouldn't need one because there'd be uh you know shuttles and trams and all of these kinds of things uh and you wouldn't need money that 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 um, he says one of the three pillars is that instead of a monetary system, it would be a resource-based system where the resources would belong to all the people, even though you'll still need distribution. You'll still need the distribution, but the distributors won't own it.
2: Mm.
0: They won't control it in that sense. Mm. And I thought, well, the the great example I thought of was, okay, let's say you needed a, a, for example... A USB drive. I, I I need to give somebody some files, so I need to go get a USB drive. So you walk into the center where they have all of the tech stuff, and there's this big bin, and you go in, and you just pick up a USB drive, and you walk out.
1: All right? <laughs> That's amazing.
0: Here's what's interesting. I'm walking out, and all of a sudden, a guy comes up behind me and says, I want the USB drive. And I turn around, and I say, well, but if you just go down the street there, he says, no, I want yours. And I don't, there's nothing on it. I haven't used it yet. So I give it to him. Now, Mm -hmm. he's not stealing from me because I can go back to the store, the the distribution center and get another one. Mm -hmm. They're an abundant supply. Mm -hmm. So there's, from my perspective, I'm giving it to him. He's not taking it from me. I'm choosing to give it to him.
1: Yeah. There's plenty for everyone.
0: And so when we talk about this aspect of um, plenty of resources, do you believe that there's more than enough on this planet for everybody, but that the problem is distribution, not the actual resource. There's more than enough for all of us. I think about water, fresh water. It's available if we would choose to be more diligent about say, collecting rainwater. Yeah. I
1: mean, the truth is, I don't know the answer to that question. I resonate with what you're saying. I wouldn't be surprised if surprised if that's true but also what comes up for me and again i don't i don't know um population man there's a lot a lot of people on the planet
2: there Um i
1: mean i'm and i'm guilty i brought two more into the world you know um you know i've thought about it believe me i'm like shit i mean shoot i that's i contributed fine. we're good now okay you're gone um yeah so you know there's a lot of people here and um anyway I have some I have some other thoughts about that Richard. as well that I just I'm not ready to kind of put out there I want I want to articulate it more but um, there's a lot of people here there's a lot yeah. of people here and I don't know I don't know if if you know yeah yeah well, I, I know this Richard let me just finish by saying this sure. I feel like I feel like we're living in a world of more okay? And I think that part of, to circle back to what we were first talking about, I'm not putting down, there's a lot of beautiful things that we've done as a country. What I think is important is to reflect. Mm. It's important to reflect. Do we really need it all? Is there really equanimity? Reflect what's working, what's not working. I know I'm not just angry about it all and we haven't done all the wrong things, you know. It's yeah. just, it's it's important to look in the rear view mirror and look at what's working and what isn't. And do we really need more? Or is, do we need to edit a little bit and make it more resourceful and distribute better? So,
0: yeah. <laughs> Talk to uh, me about your, uh, I brought this up at the front end of the program, your inner life, that time that you spend. uh, And if it is, because for some people it is, if it's too personal, that's fine. We can move on to something else. My father's spiritual life is very personal. I know that he has one, but he won't talk to me about it because- It's personal. And I, I respect that.
1: Yeah. Um, Let me get this computer plugged in so we don't lose each other. Sure. Um,
0: sure, No problem.
1: So, so uh, something came up for me when you asked that, that I want to, I do want to address, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I can't help but look through the lens of, of my privilege, Mm -hmm. having white skin and what, what, what that means in the context of what I'm about to, to address is you know my parents are white and so my parents were successful actors they were probably successful also because they're white so i was raised with comfort i was raised with some financial uh, financial support that some of my black and brown indigenous brothers and sisters at my age didn't have that opportunity why their parents didn't have the opportunity to be successful actors or successful lots of things. Mm -hmm. So, um, I do want to just mention as a part of my healing story that I had the luxury to pause. I had the luxury to receive the cancer diagnosis as an opportunity to come home into my soul and to take this pause and to reevaluate and reflect and love and listen to my cancer, you know, which sounds really amazing of me, but I also had the financial support to do that. And I would love to see that in the healthcare system and for everybody to have the opportunity to not have to just clock into work the very next day after a stage four cancer diagnosis and maintain the stressful lifestyle, but have the opportunity to pause and come home and listen. I wish that there was, we created more space in the world. That's what I would love more of is more space, more room to breathe. So when you ask me about my inner life, it's about creating that space, about creating that that, 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 that silence so that we can hear, so that we can hear the truth. I don't care what you call it, truth is one, paths are many, God, Shiva, you know, a tree, silence, a candle, whatever it is, it's that space that we all know where there's a voice inside that tells us what to do that supports us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a voice in us that doesn't support us and there's a voice in us that does. Right. And I just hope that we can create more of a world where people have the opportunity to get closer to that voice. And my experience is that voice is in the quiet. And I'll tell you, it's hard to find that quiet when you've got two seven-year-old boys with like their, kin- like their first grade teacher said to me, your boys have a lot of energy. If their teacher is pointing out and highlighting that your boys have a lot of energy, Um, so it's hard to find that, but I try and, um, and I'm not perfect and it gets noisy in here and it gets noisy in my home. And, um, you know, it's a lot of work and a lot of discipline, um, and a lot of consistency to build that, that quiet space to hear the supportive voice. Um, and then, and then the goal for me and my experience is to have enough in the bank, right? to have that muscle strong enough that with if you do fall or if it does get noisy you know how to get back up stronger and you're not so injured right right it's not about being perfect it's just about creating that that cushion and that that um those deposits that you mm-hmm. can withdraw from even in those moments where you forget so that you can respond to life rather than react to life right
0: yeah that's a key that is a big key well, it's it seems as though we're we've we've come close to the end of our program here at this time. Uh, but I such have such a pleasure. Talking, Richard. I'm sorry.
1: Such a pleasure.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining me. And I would love to have you back again to continue this conversation. I think it's an important one. As a matter of fact, that's a phrase that I've heard quite often, especially in the past year, the, the, the year I dubbed that in September of 2019 as the year of perfect vision, 2020. Now I had no clue what was coming, but I have a feeling that when we reflect on it, it's going to reveal how much it gave us in terms of that time to reflect, in terms of some people have called it a reboot, if you will, to use a computer. Uh, And the pause, uh, we can call it that. And here we are in 2021. And we're starting to, you know, come out the other end of the tunnel, so to speak. Um, And so it's to me, but the one key phrase I kept hearing, especially with all the turmoil we had in the summer of 2020, at least we're having a conversation. And that's really where all of this has to start. We've got to start Not just talking, but literally listening to one another and understanding. It doesn't mean you agree, but can you even make the effort to try to understand where the other person is coming from? And I will tell you one of the most fascinating things I have seen in some movies and television programs that would have made them extremely short, Okay, very short, because if they had just talked in the first five or ten minutes if you ever saw the movie batman versus superman mm-hmm. it would have been a boring 15 minute movie but you would have saved a whole lot of time if they'd <laughs> had a the conversation they had had at the end of the movie <laughs> at the beginning of the movie that's
1: awesome okay? yeah yeah, that's that. Whoa, we could. Let's start our next conversation there.
0: You got it. You got it. I have three final questions I want to ask you before we let you go. And I thank you so much for giving us so much time. Thank you I want much. to remind our listeners and viewers that uh, this program is here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We're also on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. For this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry and a bunch of other places you folks are reposting us to. And we are also asking if you can do so. And this resonates with you. You like what we bring you and you'd like to support us financially. We would be ever so grateful. PayPal and Patreon accounts are there for your security as well as ours. And please take the time over these next eight and a half, nine years, if not longer, I hope it goes longer, make a habit of it and it'll go longer to spend time uh, in this decade of perfect vision going within. All right, and Mm -hmm. enough said on that. The first of three questions that I like to ask my guests, you probably answered these to some degree during the interview, but I like to ask them pointedly. Number one, who is Quincy Coleman? Oh,
1: Christ. Um, Spiritual being having a human experience.
0: What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now?
1: Justice, healing, and unity for ourselves, our human family, and Mother Earth.
0: And finally, what is your life's purpose? To come home. And with that, Quincy Coleman, thank you again for joining us. I tell people to go to your website. QuincyColeman.net, and uh, we look forward to hearing more of your music.
1: Home.org,
0: Home. is it .dot .org? Home.org
1: Home. as
0: Home. well. Org is H-O-M-E. another H-O-M-E. website. Yeah. And is it just H-O-M-E or is it with the
1: hyphen? h-o-m-e.org dot
0: org. All right, folks. We will be linked to. I, I would assume that we could get there also through QuincyColeman.net.
1: That's a really great question. We'll make sure that that can happen.
0: Absolutely. And we will keep mentioning it and we'll have it up on the screen for those watching us here on YouTube uh, so that they will have that as well. We'll have both of those websites posted up there.
2: Beautiful. And
0: again, I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, Love to Love.
2: apart